0: SBS Radio. Hi everyone, it's a daily ten-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the seventeenth of November, twenty twenty-one. Later, we'll take a look at the impact of impact investing. But first, now may be a good time to ask your boss a pay rise. That's because the Australian Bureau of Statistics said the wage price index rose 0.6% in the September quarter to be up 2.2% annually. And while that's, while that's below the long run average of 3%, some industries are seeing growth well above that. So for more, including the implications for inflation and interest rates, I spoke earlier with Stephen Kukulis from Market Economics. Stephen annual wages growth of 2.2%, but it wasn't necessarily all organic because we saw super contributions and and other additions too, didn't we?
1: We did. So the headline annual increase of 2.2% was broadly as markets were expecting, but there's a couple of things. There were other components of wages and salary packages that were were increasing. So it says that there's a little bit of competitive pressure in the labour market from employers as they're trying to get talent for their businesses. And the other thing to remember is that it is a little higher than it was 12 months ago, uh, that we have had wages increasing from around one and a half percent in annual terms in the middle of the 2020 pandemic to being around about 2.2 percent now. So there's a gentle upswing in wages and that's a welcome thing. And when you
0: look at it in more detail, there are some industries or jobs where they're being paid very well. So, for example, 3.4% increase annually for white-collar jobs, 2.6% for construction, 2.5% for accommodation and food services. What's that saying about the skill shortage?
1: The industries that have had those highest wage increases, well above two and a half percent in annual terms, are the ones that have done well during the pandemic and in the early stages of the ending of the lockdown. They're the ones where there's skill shortages. So what we're seeing is employers paying up, if you like, to attract the talent for their businesses as they're meeting strong underlying demand for for their activities. At the other end of the scales, areas like mining, for example, which are doing well, but they're increasingly automated. The demand for labour is not quite as strong, so they're only getting annual wage increases just a little above
0: 1%. What do you think about the employer's willingness to offer pay rises? Because we've heard a lot of anecdotal evidence of, of bosses offering other benefits, like days off for flexibility instead of pay rises. To what extent do you think this is happening?
1: There is a little bit of evidence that non-financial or non-pay uh, elements of someone's work package, if you like, are being offered to attract and to retain Uh, people in the workplace, and that's important, that goes some way to make sure that people don't switch to another firm where where there's higher pay-on offer, but at the end of the day, we're in the early stages of an economic upswing. We look at job advertisements, job vacancies, and they're very strong. Demand for Labor is running hot right now, so it says to me that once we get through these lockdowns, when the economy is functioning again, particularly in early 2022, we'll see demand for Labor spilling over into actual increases in wages, even though there's other benefits as well. Things like super, flexible hours, uh, days off in lieu of uh, hours work that will also attract some workers.
0: Um, So combining all that together, right, all in all, where do you see wages going? How does this fleet into inflation and ultimately interest rates?
1: The Reserve Bank governor said unemployment's heading to 4% and it could be less within the next 18 to 24 months. That's the sort of unemployment number that will see wages growth pick up, not just on the RBA's figuring, but also just on what most economists are assessing in the labour market. So, wages growth will probably hit 3.5% in the next 12 to 18 months. That feeds into underlying inflation. And the thing to remember, uh, and this is a hot debate in financial markets right now, is that that will not. Uh, of course, defer any interest rate hikes, it'll actually bring them forward. So the hot debate right now is when will interest rates start to increase and then by how much will they increase? And at the moment, the market's still pricing in the start of an interest rate tightening cycle in the middle of 2022.
0: And finally, what's the message then to employers and then for those employees seeking a pay rise?
1: Employers will have to pay up to attract and retain the talent that they need to run their businesses. That means higher wages and higher labour costs. And for them to retain their profitability, it means that they're going to have to put up selling prices, which by definition is higher inflation. And for workers out there, I think they've got the opportunity to put their hand up for a pay increase. That The conditions right now where there's hot demand for labour is one where workers can go to their bosses and say, well, look, I'm uh, being offered alternative jobs elsewhere that are paying more, and unless you match that higher pay, I'm moving. So I think we're in the early stages of uh, a wage pickup. I wouldn't call it a wage breakout, but for the first time in 15 years, we're going to see annual wages growth well above 3%.
0: Stephen Kukul is there from Market Economics. The Australian dollar was hit pretty hard following the release of that data, trading at about 72.91 US cents. Uh, that's because uh, that figure as the market closed, and that's because some market economists and market watchers were actually expecting a, a stronger wages uh, number to solidify their expectations of higher inflation and thus an earlier than expected interest rate rise. It all comes on a day where the Australian share market fell, the S&P a 200 down 0.7% to 7,369. That's because of some significant falls from the banking sector. For more, I spoke earlier with Gemma Dale from NAB Trade. Gemma, what drove the market lower today?
2: Yeah, it was a fairly ugly day on the ASX today. It was financials that were putting all the downward pressure on the market. A lot of sectors were actually green for the day. But CBA gave their quarterly update Profit looked fantastic, but when you looked at the net interest margin comments, not specifically the margin itself because they didn't publish that, the comments were really concerning for the market. They were very worried that clearly they're paying away in order to get market share. And in an environment where CBA is by far the most expensive, the banks people were not happy with it. It was down about 8%. That dragged the market right down. There's also some pressure on the iron ore price that is dragging the material sector down as well, but it was mostly financials that were hurting.
0: Now, the market was weaker despite a near record close on the S&P 500 in the US, where retail sales in the country kept rising You know, as the economy reopens, as it comes out of the pandemic. What do you think that when we talk about retail sales and the growth in the US, what's that saying about the state of the global economic recovery?
2: It looks really exciting at a headline level and certainly the market loved it. The market rallied. It's been doing incredibly strongly, as you say. It's sitting up at near record levels and we make record highs on a regular basis on the S&P at the moment. It's amazing. When you look a bit closer, there are a few questions and I think investors are starting to think about that. What does that really mean in terms of the state of the global economy? One is that price increases are included in those numbers. So it is the value that people paid for goods if it's simply an increase in the price, not just the fact you bought more stuff, then that's maybe not quite so exciting. That's a real worry. And there's also the issue that with so many economies coming out of lockdown and coming out of the pandemic, there's been a lot of household savings that are flowing back into the economy, but they are savings. This is not an increase in income. This is savings. It gets into the economy one time but it may not be sustainable. In Australia we call it revenge spending, everyone running out and buying heaps of stuff after COVID and after the lockdown just because you can and it's lovely, but it's the sustainability question. There's also the issue that there may be a bring forward impact People have learned to buy stuff in the sales before Christmas now. So with Black Friday and Cyber Monday, everyone's suddenly going, I'm not waiting for Boxing Day. I'm going to buy stuff now. And there's also so much publicity about supply chain issues. Inventories are high, and so people are starting to spend earlier. So there might be some sort of seasonal effects in this, but the big hope that this is actually people getting back to normal and the economy coming back strongly, and we've all got our fingers crossed that that's actually going to be a long-term thing.
0: Finally, uh, impact investing, you've done some work on it. What is it exactly and is it catching on?
2: Yeah, such a good question. So impacting investing is investors wanting to feel when they put money in the share market or buy an asset that they're making the world a better place. And we all hope that that's what we're doing. But to be frank, you don't see it really strongly on the ASX. At Trade, we've got quite amazing data about what people buy and sell. On the ASX, most investors are still very happy to buy miners' And, uh, and sort of big emitters if we look at the, the carbon emissions and the climate change issue. And we don't have any munitions manufacturers we have to worry about or anything like that. What we see, though, that's fascinating is young people and women more so than the broader population are going offshore and they are really, really keen to buy things that are going to make a positive impact in the world. So we're seeing this incredible enthusiasm for electric vehicle manufacturers in particular, the very, very popular Tesla's number one in our international buying and it always is. People love it uh, and that's a bit of a sexy stock, but Rivian Automotive is brand new. There's one called Lucid Group that's also very popular. These are like top five stocks for us internationally. But the ones That are less headline names. It's one called Enphase Energy, which is microinverters for solar panels. We're seeing Plug Power, which is green hydrogen. You're seeing all of these stocks where there's clearly an intent to improve the world, and people are buying these, they're hanging on to them quite passionately. Tesla is now almost in our top 10 most held stocks. Which is astonishing. It's pushed out Rio. It's pushed out Santos and Woodside. It's suddenly important for investors to be doing something valuable with their money, and particularly something to do with decarbonisation, but they're having to go offshore to do it.
0: Jim McDowell, there from Nabtrade. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.